It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now, we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Welcome to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. Here are Dan Rusinowski and Drew Remenda. It's the calm before the storm as we get ready for the Stanley Cup final between the Eastern Conference's Florida Panthers and the Western Conference's Vegas Golden Knights. Drew, it is going to be a tremendous series. It is going to be an intense series. And in a way, the teams have some similarities, don't they? Yeah, they really do, Danny. You know, first, I think you can look at the goaltending. And this is the fourth time in NHL history since they started tracking save percentages that both goalies, starting goaltenders going into the final series, have a save percentage of over 935, Roski and Aiden Hill. Um, that's number one. Number two, um, their lines that the way that the teams are set up, the way that the teams play, they both rely on a four check. Uh, they both rely on tons of pressure away from the puck. They both uh, rely on um, the, the play below the, the tops of the circles. Uh, the one area that I look at and I think that there's a, there's a difference is um, the power play. The biggest power play in the playoffs hasn't been very good. Is They're only at like 18%. Florida is like 27%. So they've been much better there. Penalty kills pretty much the same. Five on five goals, pretty much the same. Uh, Florida has faced more shots in the playoffs. Uh, Bobrovsky has than Aiden Hill. The, the Vegas Golden Knights do a fantastic job of blocking shots. But overall, the one thing I'd look at with the with this series is that both teams are, play really quick hockey. Both teams rely on pressure and both teams rely on their goaltenders. And it'll be interesting to see who cracks and whose pressure is able to, to win the day, so to speak. Well, I think that you basically have summarized our entire show today by talking <laughs> about every single topic because they're all on my mind too. I think both teams have depth. They like to play four lines. They're really good in front of the net. They're getting the goaltending that they needed. I'd say the one difference maybe, as you mentioned, is that Bobrovsky has sort of carried the team a couple of times, whereas Aiden Hill has been a lot like... Kemper was last year in that he's been good enough when it's really been asked. And let's not forget about Laurent Brassois earlier in the series too. He was the same thing. Good enough for Vegas to advance and to get by some of the challenges they have. I think in goal where you started it, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point, Danny, when you talk about the fact of uh, in front of the net. When you look at the way both teams play in front of their own zone, I think Vegas, especially how they collapse right to the net, sometimes makes it very difficult for the goaltender to find the puck. But Aiden Hill's a big guy, as we know, he, he can he finds the puck pretty well. But they do a really good job at eliminating um, any of the inside traffic or second or third chances. So I think that's a, also a very a very salient point. We'll start out with Paul Maurice, who was meeting with the media just before the Panthers flew off to Vegas for a game number one. And that'll be the first game of the seven game series. And who knows, maybe it will go seven. But Paul Maurice and Bruce Cassidy are both very good at speaking with the media and waxing eloquently on a lot of different topics. And one of the topics that was brought up to Paul Maurice was 
Did the time away from the Winnipeg Jets, did his decision to leave and take some time of away from the game help him for what he's dealing with at this point right now? No, this is, it's not related to my past like that. It's related to walking into this room. When I told you it's about the players, that great line, don't be so humble, you're not that good. (laughs) It's an awesome line, right? I'm not trying to, coaching staff has a section of things that they got to do. We've been pretty good at this year. It's, it's the room. There's an unusual group of guys in there, and they were like that before I got here, and then we got some more personalities, really important personalities came in. It's about the players here. It truly is. I'm just having fun because they allow it. If they hadn't worked hard, if they hadn't got to hard, it wouldn't have been that much fun. Interesting. He's a fascinating guy because I don't know how he does this, but he is able to crystallize all of his thoughts into something very cogent and he goes on in great detail. And that, that means he's thought a lot about a lot of the topics he's being asked about. Well, we've had the, the pleasure of getting to talk to him all, all the time when we in Winnipeg or even when he was in Carolina before in Toronto. And um, he's been coaching in the NHL as a head coach since he was 29 years old. Um, by the way, I love that line. Don't be so humble. You're not that good. It's awesome. <laughs> it's a great line. Um, he, he's, He's gone through this a lot. He is a very thoughtful, very smart guy. And um, the one thing that he says there, and it's very important for teams to understand, and it's a very rare group that is able to pick this stuff up, which is it's not about the coach. It can't be about the coach. Once your team gets to a certain level and gets to this level where you're great, where you're trying to win the championship when you're getting to the finals. It's not about the coach anymore. It's about the guys in the room that have taken over that team. Well, one of the guys has taken over that team. We've already mentioned Bobrovsky, but uh, also Matthew Kachuk, uh, a guy that's come through in a big way for the Florida Panthers, a tremendous acquisition by Bill Zito. And, you know, nobody says you could have planned it because of the way things turned out. But Kachuk has been known for making big plays at big times. Kachuk out at the right point covering. 15 seconds in regulation. Kachuk, Reinhardt near circle. Reinhardt in the circle. Shot, and it's fought off by Anderson. Barkov right circle. Down to the eagle. Like a truck in front of shot. He scores! He scores! He scores! Matthew Kachuk, a power play goal! It's 4 3 Panthers with 4.3 seconds to go in regulation time. That's Doug Plagans on Florida Panthers Radio. And you know, if whether they win the cup or not, that's a goal that Florida Panthers fans are going to remember for a long time. I think about what he has done in the playoffs in this, this series. I mean, he scored the, the two overtime goals in Carolina. Um, and then he assisted on the winning goal in game three in Florida. And then in game four, with 4.3 seconds left, 4.5 seconds left, he puts the puck in. He thrives on those moments. He lives for those moments. He sees it and and thinks, now's my time. And he's been exceptional at it. Paul Maurice talked about it. Even when he was in Calgary, he was doing that. But now it's spotlighted and highlighted because it's the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know what I think he does too? He he brings a sense of calm to the room because of his energy. And it's kind of a, a paradox, but I think he's helping Alexander Barkov be in a better captain too, just because of the pressure that he takes off him. I, I agree with you. I, I think one thing that, that we've seen with, there's three guys that I look at that, you, that for Florida are those guys, you know, those Spark guys. Number one, obviously, with Matthew Kachuk. 
Number two is Sam Reinhart. Number three is Sam is Bennett. Like to me, they have been fantastic. Bennett is just as nasty, if not more than Kachuk. Um, Bennett is a guy that um, has scored some big goals for them. I mean, really big goals for them. And he has been able to, when you look at the that second line with Bennett, Kachuk, and Cousins, that he's he's been another driver on that team, which you need. So I think that has really helped. Those three guys, to me, have really helped take that pressure off of Barkov, where Barkov kind of had to be the guy last year, especially during the playoffs, had to be the guy. And now he's got to be been able to kind of have that load shouldered by some a couple of other guys as well. Very interesting to note what Paul Maurice, the coach of the Florida Panthers, expects from his captain. Uh, a person that you can talk about the game and a person who has an understanding of his room. So when you go to him and ask, how are you guys feeling? Where's it, where, where, where are your bodies at? That he, he is relatable enough to the people in the room. And he's connected enough that he can tell you what's going on in the room or what the game is. Also somebody that can describe the game to you, the players play. And their um, feedback or information they get about what they're doing uh, on the ice, the acceptance of it, where they're at with it, that's really, really important, that part of the relationship. You can get them an honest conversation with a guy about where the team's at. He's very good at it. And he also has a different perspective. Like we've got three unique leaders there just by position on, on Ekblad. Uh, two guys that have been here a long time. We've also got we also got Patrick Hornquist, right? He was also an alternate captain here. So we get four guys there that all have a different perspective. But being able to access what they see on the ice. There are other players as well. Sam Reinhart would be a guy that if you want to find out what's going on in the game, you talk to Sam because he's got a really keen eye from the bench. So just that interaction. All of them... Um, spend any time getting to a guy and tell him he's got to push himself harder because the team needs him too, right? Like these guys all are in the gym. They all work out. They all push hard in practice. They're all intense in practice. So I don't have any concerns with any of that. We've never really had a conversation about that. Pretty interesting stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And, you know, he brings up uh, brings up Ekblad. And that's the other comparison, I guess, I should have talked about when we started off the show today is when you look at, at their, their defense, they've got Aaron Ekblad who has – so mature beyond his years it's it's amazing especially when he was a rookie you looked at him and said really you're a rookie in this league the way he plays the way he leads and I look over across at the Vegas Golden Knights and I look at Alex Petrangelo you know Petrangelo to me is and Ekblad are the two anchors on that defense they're the two foundation pieces on that defense who show you the way not just talk about the way well, it's interesting to to take a look at the past, too, because Paul Maurice, as you mentioned, has been around a long time. We remember him when he was with the Hartford Whalers, as you noted. His very first game he ever coached in the NHL was against the San Jose Sharks back in Hartford. Yeah. And uh, he's seen just about everything. He's been to the Stanley Cup final with the Carolina Hurricanes. He's dealt with the media circus in Toronto as the head coach of that team. And he's been in a smaller market where uh, there's nothing else to think about but the NHL team in that town, and that being Winnipeg. And now he's in South Florida, uh, back in a part of the country where he spent a lot of his time in, in, in the course of his NHL coaching career. And in fact, the last time the Florida Panthers went to the Stanley Cup final was 1996. Dave Lowry, former Shark great, was on that team. They went all the way to the Stanley Cup final before uh, dropping a four-game series to Detroit and uh, make that Colorado. 
Uh, Colorado with Mike Ricci in the lineup, winning the Stanley yeah. Cup, Sandus Ozelinch. So a very memorable series for us. But also he was asked about his experience and his memories of that and what he can relate to now in Florida. Just, you know, once probably just to see. So here's the, in 96, right? You don't get anywhere near the video that you get now. You don't like, like you were getting jumbotron feeds on VHS tapes. It's the <laughs> truth. And you'd get the Panther on there more than you would the face-offs, right? So you didn't get a lot of video uh, in Hartford from Florida. Um, but the stories, right? And, and, um, kind of the generations from Roger Nielsen to Doug McLean. Um, yeah, there was the concern over the trap. It was a horrible thing. It was the scourge of the game. Uh, it just come in. They didn't say much about it when Jersey won the cup the year before, but it was awful that Florida ran it on them. Um, and then Uwe Krupp's overtime goal. Remember that? And, and then the rest of it, I get from Sylvain Lafave. So there's more of a Colorado perspective on that. Well, more of a Colorado perspective, but he brings up something that I know you can relate to, Drew, and that is the quality of the video back in the day when uh, when you were doing all that video coaching. Well, number one, he needed a better video guy. If all he got was Jumbotron stuff, he needed a guy that uh, that I know pretty well. Um, second, um, I, I love the fact about the trap. He was so right. That was such a What are we going to do against the trap? But every coach can figure the, the ways out. But there was, there's, a, it was a lot, it was a lot um, uh, of tougher work, tougher work to do because it was videotape back then. You spent hours and hours and hours just breaking down a game. It would take you two and a half, three hours to break down a game because it was, and then to put, to edit something together, to put it together, to show to the team, most teams, not the San Jose Sharks at the time, but because we had a pretty elaborate setup. Um you had pretty much just this cut chops and the, and the guys couldn't quite pick it out. What you see now, what is available now, now the, the teams are able to just with a computer break down the game instantaneously. They're able to give guys little video pads that they can watch their shifts. Guys can watch their shifts and guys can watch a goal on the bench. Goal, coaches can look down at a monitor on the bench when the game is going on to see a goal. You've got connections radio-wise with guys back and forth. So all those things of the uh, the technological advancement have has saved the team, but or saved the team time. But just because you have all that information, all that video, all those visual aids available to you, doesn't mean you need to use them all the time. One thing that we talked to the great Rob Zettler last year, um, who won a Stanley Cup, of course, with Tampa in Tampa with with John Cooper. And Rob Zettler told us, I don't know if you remember this, that the first time that he went to hold a a penalty kill meeting, he brought in 30 minutes of video. And John Cooper later told him, said, listen, you could have done what you did in three minutes. We need detail. We don't need volume. We need detail. So that's been the big challenge for coaches when it comes to video. How much, just because it's available to you, how much do I really need to use it? You also have to have a calm demeanor when you're talking to the players. And Paul Maurice has a reputation for that. And in fact, he was asked to just uh, during this news conference that he had with the media before leaving for Vegas, uh, 
is it because of his example that the entire team has a calm demeanor? And he said, no. I'd like to think that there's some confidence, and I would say this is probably true of Vegas. Confidence is earned, and you've earned something if you're playing in the final. You've, you've done it now at a very high level for six weeks. In our case, we had to start running that back in January, but we've played hard hockey for six weeks, so we have some confidence that we're going to be able to do that again. That is where I would like to think the, the calm comes from. We also have spent an awful lot of time about handling the day that we're living in, and there's days that we're going to get wound up, and that's game day, and then we're going to come right down from that on our off day. So even in this schedule here, We've made our practice days uh, a little bit more. There's more energy from the coaches in terms of how you present your meetings. And then on the off days, we've everything from changing your tone to the length of the meeting, the kind of day we want our players to experience. So we've staggered every second day, winded up on our practice days, and, and mellowed out on our off days. You like that plan? Yeah, I like that plan a lot. Um, as you talked about detail, uh, I talked to, as I told you, on the radio show here, we had Josh Maher on defenseman for the Florida Panthers. Um, he was on yesterday and he talked basically about that. They've been skating every other day in this 10 day layoff that they've had. There's been brief meetings here and there. He said, but, you know, now we're starting to get to that final spot and looking to, okay, the game's about to start on us. But he said it's been very calm. It's been relaxed. He said, but the guys are getting focused and they'll wind it up. They'll start winding it up pretty quick here. Speaking about focus, how do you maintain focus with days off and how do you keep your routines up? Well, Paul Maurice gave us some thoughts. Kind of within reason, because once you get to this round, a bunch of things change on you. One of them is the media requirements and uh, the amount of time and the amount of access. So you spend more time out the rig dealing with these things. But I think we, my feel here is is that we've never let routine cross over into superstition that we have to have a certain thing at a certain time. We kind of go with the flow a little bit and we'll just handle it as it comes um, and then enjoy it too because you, you work really hard to get here and sure there's more media requirements and it's a longer flight, but that's a Western Conference uh, opponent. That's what's going to happen. Boy, our heart really bleeds for those Eastern Conference teams <laughs> worrying about to travel, huh? Yeah, it's like hope for babies. <laughs> but you know what might be really key to this whole thing for the Florida Panthers, Drew? And that might be uh, one of the guys, and they have a couple of guys like this that have a, got a lot of playoff experience. And I'm thinking about Eric Stahl, for instance. He's won the Stanley Cup. He did it back in 2006 with the Carolina Hurricanes. And uh, Coach Maurice was asked about uh, relying on players like that. Yeah, well, I think we leaned on those guys all year for the originating ideas that we wanted to play a game that we could replicate in, in the playoffs, right? We had to change the style of hockey that we played. So, you know, even from the summertime, Patrick Hornquist was right on board with that because he understood it. Eric Stalls lived it. Um, and then I would say maybe in the playoffs then, we leaned on them a lot for logistics, the things that happen, right, when you fly out, when you leave, you know, where are the things that, that, that kind of trip up players, right? For now, it's tickets and the 50 hotel rooms of all the people coming in to see games, all that other stuff, because they've been through it. They help us with a lot of logistics now. But Patrick and Eric have come to the rink the entire year with a smile on their face, all excited to be here. And that's really what's rubbed off over the course of the year. Now their smiles are a little bigger and they're flying on the ice and guys feed off that. 
Kind of interesting that he was reminding me of something that Scotty Bowman always used to do, Drew, and that is he'd come to the rink, he'd see you at practice, he'd be standing there, and he'd say stuff like, what time did you land last night? Yeah. Uh, you know, what'd you eat for, where'd you go to a restaurant? Um, is that guy a good uh, equipment manager? You know, things like that. He would ask questions like that all the time. And I'm hearing a little bit of that in Coach Paul Maurice right there, talking about, you know, flight arrangements and dealing with the details and and also depending on the guys who have won the cup before to help. Yeah, absolutely. We used to think Scotty was just making conversation and then you figure it out. No, no, he's gathering information. That's what he's doing. And yeah, he would he would ask about all those things. It's funny you remember that. I was thinking about that the other day, as a matter of fact. But overall, when you look at Paul Maurice and uh, again, go back to my conversation with Josh Mahura yesterday, they've also got a department um, or people in the Florida organization that are helping the players with all this. So the players you know, you've got to, you got to get rid of those peripheral opponents and those peripheral opponents are anybody that takes you and your focus away from the, the, the game. And so the Florida Panthers is okay. Mom and dad are need a hotel and that they, they pass them over to the department and people in Florida and in the hockey ops department are helping everybody out to take the pressure and the onus off the players. So it's really smart. And that goes back to what Paul was just talking about the logistics of the finals. We're going to hear line combinations change quite a bit, perhaps in the final. And all these guys have been used to dealing with that all season long. But right now it looks like Alexander Barkov and Carter Verhage are a great pair. And they've got Anthony Duclair in there for some speed. Every wow. once in a while, Matthew Kachuk can jump in. But he, Sam Bennett, and Nick Cousins have done a good job. And I still think that maybe the key line for Florida in this whole series could be Lusterinen, Lundell, and Reinhardt. And I've just been so impressed with Sam Reinhardt all playoff. Yeah, he's been, you know, you heard Paul Paul Maurice talk about Sam and how important he is. I have too. And when you look at um um you know, Reinhardt gonna go up against is gonna go up against uh, Jack Eichel. They were in Buffalo together. You look at the the situation where those guys are um veterans. You've got Bennett and Lusterain and Lindell and Reinhardt and Verhage, who's won a cup with Tampa. They've got some veteran players there that have gone through this and know how hard it is and that's the important part and um, the one thing i think where florida has the edge in this series is their speed their quickness we continue now with the stanley cup playoff report on the san jose sharks audio network Big news in Vegas. The Vegas Golden Knights, first place team in the Western Conference, have really earned that in their playoff appearances. A lot of people thought that the Edmonton Oilers would make that big, big difference. However, uh, that did not happen. And Vegas found a way to grind it out and have just great depth through four lines and goaltending that was good enough for Maiden Hill to get there. But they've also got something else. They've also got a superstar on that team named Jack Eichel, who I think has largely been misunderstood during the course of his career, but is starting to to show his worth. And he talked about uh, the whole idea of going to the Stanley Cup final a little bit earlier. I'm excited. Uh, it's, it's a great opportunity for our group. We've done a lot to get here. Uh, and put ourselves in this position. Um, it's not easy by any means. Um, you need things to go your way, and, and you need to play good hockey at the right time. And um, I think we're playing some pretty good hockey right now. Um, I think that was a good example of it. Uh, just really proud to be a part of the group. Um, so many great guys in this locker room, and uh, it's a great organization. So uh, credit to everyone, top, top, uh, top down. 
I'm happy for Jack Eichel. As I said, you know, he's sort of the Patrick Marlowe of his draft, a little bit overshadowed always by Connor McDavid. Patty, of course, uh, right after Joe Thornton in the draft, got a little less attention and was on the West Coast. Then those two guys got together and they created so much magic. Uh, Eichel doesn't have that. He's not playing with McDavid. That's Dreisaitl's job. But uh, still, mm-hmm. I think he stepped forward in this playoff and shown what his value is. Well, I think you're 100% right. And, and, um, I thought I found it funny the other day when I said, you know, Jack Eichel is a really good hockey player <laughs> because, of course, he is. Um, you look what he did at BU under David Quinn. You look at the the career he had in Buffalo, even though there was a lot of things in Buffalo. Like, remember when the whole draft uh, lottery happened and Buffalo came in second and the look on the, the, the GM then's face, uh, Tim Murray, I call him angry cat. Uh, was so he was so disappointed that he didn't get Connor McDavid. Yeah, and then and the message he sent to Jack Eichel was, "Well, you're second best." And Jack Eichel heard that throughout his career in Buffalo. You're second best. You're second best. You're second best. And at, when he was first in the league, he started. He really bristled at that conversation when any when any reporter would ask him. When the Oilers rolled in there, when I was working for Sportsnet, somebody inevitably would ask him, and he'd get pissed off about it. And he shouldn't get pissed off about it. But he then went through the problem with the surgery, the what they the Buffalo Sabres didn't want him to get the surgery, which was the, the, the artificial disc in his neck. He wanted to. He got it done, but he only got it done after they made the trade with Vegas. Vegas said, yep, go ahead and do it. He does it, comes back from the injury. And then this year, he has had a breakout year. He has been in the playoffs absolutely outstanding i think he's he's about four or five in scoring i think he leads vegas in scoring but as far as uh, in the playoff scoring he's about four or five down the list but jack eichel i mean when you watch jack eichel he remind he's, he's kind of a hybrid danny where he has speed and he can play with pace but then he can do what joe thornton used to do which was slow it down and his pace changes, and that creates a lot of space for himself. So I think Jack Eichel, it's been a great story to watch Jack Eichel this year. And um, again, the game is so funny, right? Connor McDavid is the, the greatest player in the world, so skilled, so fantastic, and they've and so is Leon. But as the Vegas Golden Knights have shown you with Jack Eichel, it takes more than one guy or it takes more than two guys. And sometimes it takes more than a year. Now that Ekholm is there, he's settled in. We'll see what happens next year with Edmonton. But in terms of Eichel, you hear him giving a lot of credit to his teammates quite a bit uh, when he spoke a couple of seconds ago. And he doesn't necessarily have to be the guy in Vegas. And Bruce Cassidy says that's a key to it. 100% Ak. If you look at game six, I don't think Jack, Stoney, and Stevie, were they on the score sheet? Right? And we win the game six nothing. Now, did they play well? Absolutely. Jack can drive the game in a lot of different ways. Um, he wins a key key draw in the D zone on the, the fourth goal, right? The, the, that, that's the backbreaker when Marcia so scores. But he, he wins a D zone draw against some Rupee Hints, I think it was, so who's very good. So there's little things he does well every night. Uh, he was attacking the net, driving their D back. So Jack doesn't have to score for us to win, no. I mean, you look at our regular season point totals, uh, individual scoring, we, we don't have, you know, there's different guys out of the lineup. We found ways to win. So we need him to play well and help us win. There's just different ways we account for that other than on the score sheet. He's known for his offense, but he's playing great defensive hockey too. And that's going to be a big deal, according to Cassidy, when dealing with players like Matthew Kachuk. 
Well, first with Jack, his defensive play is outstanding. It has been all year. Um, you know, his metrics speak to that. We'll use him against anybody. His ability to close on people helps in that. And D-zone is ability to reload. So if they're making a play in the O-zone and it doesn't work out, they, he can still catch people coming through the neutral zone. He's a big-bodied guy, so he can lean on you. Um, no issues at all. Him picking up his hockey IQ is excellent in our system. So... He can match up against anybody. As I said, sometimes the matchups go deeper than just center on center. It's okay. They have an offensive defenseman on the ice. Who are the best wingers to you know to, to take care of that matchup? So you know that goes to bigger than Jack. As for Kachuk, uh, just such a high high hockey IQ and small area plays for him are what 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 are going to be the challenge for us. So we have to find a way to take not. To take away his time and space, yet take away his his, his options because he moves the puck so quick. So, so that's going to be a delicate balance. Um, and you got to get into him when he gets to the front of the net. We know that he's got a great stick and nose for the net. We have some big D that can do that. So that's the challenge, and we can't chase him away from the net. I think sometimes uh, because he makes plays to the interior so well. So now our 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 system is layered. We're not a man to man. So. That will help us. We like to have our D close to the net for the most part, so I think that will be a positive to defend him. Um, so that that'll be the, the initial part of it. We know he likes to get involved. Um, you know, with the you know the the chirping stuff that'll play itself out one way or the other. I think our guys are all been around and they'll they'll handle it how they see fit. And um, like I said, hopefully we have the edge with him because he's been an excellent player for him and he's really driven a lot of their offense. Well, great analysis from head coach Bruce yes. Cassidy of the Vegas Golden Knights. And, you know, what he, if everything he talks about comes to fruition, then he'll have guys like Marcheseau and Stone and Barbashev and, and of course, your your favorite Chandler Stevenson. They're going to come up with some pretty big plays. I'm pretty excited. Give me a call on the series. Yeah, you know, Darren, it's, it's, it is going to be exciting. I think as we talked about, these teams are really evenly matched. Um, I'm looking at the depth of the Vegas Golden Knights, though. I think it goes into a long series. I think the depth of the Vegas Golden Knights will eventually win over. You know what? I think you're right. Um, but since I have to be contrarian, I'll take Florida in game seven with Kachuk scoring in overtime. And I could be right if that happens. But yeah. bottom line is that we are un underway with the Stanley Cup final. And of course, we will have all of the great coverage right here on the Stanley Cup playoff report. Thanks for being with us today. You've been listening to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.